sayings of Jesus. And the Beatitudes was a part of the Sermon on the Mount. It was Jesus' inaugural message that he gave to really stand out for what, what Christianity was going to look like, what faith in Jesus was going to look like. Before we dive into today's message, let's just take one little step back and have a look at what Jesus was all about. The thing that stands out to me about Jesus is that he was just all about the heart. He was all about the heart. He wanted to get delve down to the depths of the soul of a person to find out what was going on there. He was interested in what was going on, the, the deep motives of the soul rather than the external appearances. And he, he walked into a time and a culture when it wasn't all about the depth of the soul. You could cover up all of that with some good behavior. So the Pharisees of the time, they got such into, they were so excited about how they could get it right on the outside. They got down to the point they were making rules about this, that, and the other. They got to the point where they would tithe one-tenth of their herbs, one-tenth of their spices, their, says their mint and their cumin. They would tithe on the percentage of their, of their herbs and their spices because it was all about getting the rules right. And Jesus just hated that with a passion. And we can go, well, yeah, obviously nobody ties their mint and cumin these days. Those Pharisee losers, they have got no idea. But I ask you today, what's the way that we live? What's the way that we live? We're a society that's obsessed with appearances. We love how it looks on the outside. Instagram, hello, anybody? Show your best, hide the rest. Don't we? We want to we show people what it's, how we look on the outside is good. Forget about what's going on deep on the inside. In fact, I think we cover it up sometimes. I think we like even talking about our emotions. And, and, and like being aware of our emotions as if that is the depth of our soul. Even that is not really. That's just being emotionally intelligent. But Jesus wanted to go deeper. He was so, he just hated this thing of, the right behavior. And you know what he said to the Pharisees? He said, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You're all white and shiny and clean on the outside, but on the inside, it's stinking of death. Wow, that's harsh. That's a harsh word. Because he wanted to get down, to deep down to the very bedrock of human, humanity. What are the motives that drive us? And so with that in mind, I want us to look at this next beatitude that Jesus had to say. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the pure in heart. Now when I, I used to look at pure in heart, pure in heart, and I just, I wrote it off almost like, well, purity is like, perfection or holiness so you've just got to be a really good person a really holy person and that and because you do that because you've got this moral superiority that's the way that you're going to see God but delving into it and I want us to do that today to understand the meaning of what Jesus was talking about I think it's going to help you I think it's going to help us to understand what Jesus was driving at the Greek word for pure that was used is this word katharos. And I'm no Greek scholar, so I did Google this. Katharos. Katharos, we get the English word catharsis from. 
It's probably an, not a word that we use very often, but catharsis is a, a, a moment of cleansing, a moment of purification. It's like looking at, you know, when you talk about pure water, pure water, no impurities, or pure gold, 100% gold. It's like there's no other impurities or there's nothing, there's no mixture. It's just the one thing. That's what Jesus was trying to drive at. That's what purity actually means. So we're going to have a look at an Old Testament example to help us to understand purity. And we're going to look at a New Testament example as well. And the most famous Old Testament example that really aligns itself with this beatitude that Jesus mentioned about purity comes from Psalm 24. And it's King David is praying this incredible prayer. And he says, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. A pure heart. Undivided. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. Now I've read that passage before as many of you probably have as well. And I could never really make the connection in my mind about well, what's, what's, what's idols have to do with purity. Where's the connection there? What's, I don't understand it and so I just brush it aside. It seems to mean nothing. But when you think about what an idol is, an idol is like a crutch. An idol is something that we put in there. It, it might not necessarily be a bad thing, but you know how sometimes the good is the enemy of the best? Sometimes we put some of these good things in our lives be, and we think it's good. We think it's great, but it is in fact an idol. It's something that's stopping us from connecting with, with the heart of God. Here's some examples. We can make power an idol. Some people really want to have power in their lives, power to dominate those around about us. I feel satisfied, I feel secure with my world when I'm in charge. And the opposite of that is this, this insecurity that overcomes, uh, overcomes us when we're feeling powerless. We feel like we're on shaky ground when we're, when we're not in charge. Being loved can be an idol. Some people really love to be loved. They love to people, for people around them to tell them how good they are, to tell them that they're loved, to tell them that they're special. And so their insecurity might be rejection. They feel so un unease and unhappy when no one's telling them how wonderful they are. No one's telling them that they're beautiful, they're loved. Control can be an issue. Control can be an idol. And this is probably one that I struggle with, I've got to say. We want everything to be right, everything to be in line, everything to be in order. You know, in our old house in, um, in Myree, we had this lovely garden and we had hedges. And man, I love those straight hedges. They're just lined up so perfectly. And I was happy <laughs> when the hedges were straight. So shameful. But it brought a sense of control to my life to know that those hedges were okay. So let's have a look at a New Testament example of what this word purity is all about. And I'm gonna, there's quite a few passages in Hebrew about this, but I'm going to choose this one, Hebrews 9 verse 14. And the writer says this, How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit 
offered himself unblemished to God. He will cleanse, that word again, cleanse, katharos, our consciences from acts that lead to death. You'll be cleansed, you'll be purified from these acts that lead to death. Other translations use the word dead works, acts that lead to death. Things that we do which are not life-giving. Things that we put into our life that actually don't help you. So we need to be cleansed from these behaviors, from these activities that actually we think they're propping us up. We think they're making us feel secure. We think they're making us feel okay with the world. We think they're giving us significance. But in fact, they're dead works. But in fact, they're things that we think are making it all okay, but it's really shaky ground. We need to be cleansed from these very things in order to be washed and be purified. And even though, I don't know if you've noticed this, but I I notice it. I can have these things in my life. I can strive for control. But even when I feel like I'm in control, there's still this nagging emptiness. Because it's not really God. It's maybe a concept that we've put in place to make us feel secure about the world. But an imitation is never the same as the real thing. And so even though we're succeeding, you might be succeeding financially and and you've made that thing your idol. And yet when you achieve it, you know, when, when when you're not financially secure, you know that that's still a struggle for you. But even when you achieve it, even when you are financially secure, there's still this nagging emptiness. You've achieved it. It's there. But hang on a minute. It's, it's not fulfilling me the way that I thought it was supposed to do. All right. So we've had a look at that first half of what Jesus is saying. Blessed are the pure in heart. We're starting to get an understanding of purity. Being something that's without mixture. Being something that's cleansed from these additions, these idols. Let's have a quick look at the second part. For they shall see God. Pure in heart shall see God. You know, when I was a young guy in my early 20s, I was a zealot. I was like a mega Christian. I was just so passionate. And I would pray all, like all, every single day. I would spend long periods of time praying, reading the Bible. I would fast regularly once a week. I was just so zealous and one thing that I really desired was to see God I'd heard these read these sort of passages and I thought I want to see God I want to see him and I interpreted these sort of things quite literally like I wanted to see the face of God I wanted to see him face to face but I was misinterpreting what Jesus was all about here you know in the days of the days of yore days gone by when there were kings and before the days of, of Google and Instagram, before the days when you could, you know, you could Google a celebrity and find out what they just had for breakfast and you could discover what they wear and, and you could what, see photos of them putting out their garbage. Before those sort of days, if you wanted to see a king, if you wanted to see a king, the only way you could see them was to find your way into their throne room, to find your way into the room, to be seeing them, looking at them face to face. You needed to be in the presence of that king in order to see them. 
There was no other way. You couldn't do it from a distance. You know, when Adam and Eve, they were walking with God in the garden and they had this beautiful, they enjoyed the presence of God every day. And yet when they were cast out from the garden, they lost that immediacy. They lost that presence, being in the presence of God. Because their own sin pushed them away from God. So Jesus comes along and he wants this presence, us to enjoy his presence. He's made a way. He's made a way. But what happens is we've got this mixture still in our life. We've got this mixture of things that are still bubbling away within us. And they're clouding the water. They're making the water that was once pure and and clear cloudy. You can't see through cloudy water, can you? But if you can get rid of those impurities, if you can get rid of the mixture, then all of a sudden the water becomes clear and you can see. It's not so much that we're straining through the murky water to see God. It doesn't work like that. The way that it works is this. We remove the mixture We take away these other things that are in our life and then the water becomes clear and it becomes easy to see. Jesus is really saying to us, let go of these other things in your life and then you will understand. Then you will see. Then you will grasp the heart of God. It's not so much a grasping, it's a letting go. It's giving up the other things to have the one thing. Here's another beautiful psalm of David's. He says, One thing I ask from the Lord, and this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of His face. One thing. So often I reckon in our lives, we think about Christianity as an addition We want to add Christianity. We want to add Jesus to our already busy schedules. We want to add him to the other stuff that we've got going on in our life. I think we think Christianity is like having a side of fries. Like, I'll I'll just have this on the side. You know, if you want clarity in your life, if you want to see things clearly, There is only one choice that you have, and that is lose the options. Lose the options. It's never going to work for you to try and manage all the the stuff and bring Jesus into the mix. It doesn't work. It's not going to work for you that way. Like David said, one thing I ask, one thing I desire You know, there's a story in, um, in Matthew. Jesus tells the story of a merchant who discovers a pearl of great price. And you know what he does when he finds it? He says that he goes immediately and he sells everything that he has in order to have that one thing, that pearl of great price. Now, some people might say, well, where's the value in that? But not to him. He knows that that pearl is worth more than anything else. And he moves heaven and earth so that he can have that pearl, that one thing. 
He says it's, it's also like a worker in a field and he discovers a box of treasure that's buried in the field. It says he immediately goes, he sells everything that he has so that he can have the treasure. He can buy that field and have the treasure. You know, guys, if we want clarity, if we want to see things clearly, if we want immediacy or, or intimacy with the heart of God, there is really only one solution. It's leaving behind the idols. It's ditching the idols. It's getting rid of the other stuff so that you can have Him. And I tell you what, it will change your life. It really will. You know, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that getting rid of, of uh, idols is easy. In fact, it's hard. In fact, it leaves you feeling vulnerable. It leaves you feeling exposed. But if you are willing to do that, to make yourself vulnerable before God, it will change your life. It really will. I want us to pray together right now. I want us all to pray. Guys, we've got to get real. This is not, we, we shouldn't be pretending to be church, right? This is not games. This is life and death. Like Jesus was, uh, Christy was talking before about what's your end game? What are we living for? We think it's all about the here and now, but it's so much more than that. Eternity lays before us. We have a decision today about how we're going to live our lives. We can live it with mixture. We can keep struggling on with mixture in our lives. Or we can ditch the idols and all of a sudden we can find clarity. You guys with me? I want us all to pray together. And if you agree with my prayer, disagree with me. But why don't we close our eyes? So great that um, song that we sang before about surrender. About giving it up giving up the desire to have control, giving up the desire to be loved, giving up those desires and things that, that have a short-term benefit. I want to encourage you, be vulnerable before God. Come on, let's pray together. Lord, I just want to repent in my heart. I want to tell you, I want to change. I've made idols to, to try and fill holes in my life. I tried to find significance through things that are not supposed to give me significance. I tried to find meaning in areas that are just, they're just not even working in my life anymore. And God, I humbly before you now, I just want to let them go. I want to let them go because I can see there's something better than all of that. There's something better than all of that, and that's you, Jesus. Would you come right now and cleanse me? Would you come right now and clean my heart? Make the water clear again. Give me the clarity, God, that I'm really craving. Change me, Lord God, so that I can be free and that I can live and breathe and enjoy your presence. I really want that, Lord. I really want that. I just pray that you lead me today, lead me tomorrow, lead me the next day. Guide me, 
caused me to make the decisions of letting go for something better. Just while we're praying, just while our eyes are still closed,